Welcome to The Look Back, my pandemic podcast. The one I started a few months back, sort of in the mid-period of the pandemic, just to help myself from going insane. But these are crazy times still in mid-2021. Anyways, I find some time to grab some interesting, intelligent, insightful people that I worked with back in the day, just to catch up with them, see what they're doing, where they're at in their day, um, how they're doing, kind of a check-in, but also the thought of having them share some of their thoughts and experiences and a look back at their career and what they see today. Well, listen, my uh, my new neighbor, uh, thanks for joining on the Look Back, my, my quarantine COVID podcast keeps us all um, a little bit more sane by checking in with people, you know? Um, so that's how I started it. And it's, uh, it took me some time to get back to, over to you, but I'm glad you could make the time. Um, and it's funny, Russ, you know, I started off as a journalist and worked in the media industry for quite a while. And this will be the first time where I am talking to an old friend and you're coming in with a big story for me too. So I, as a journalist, I can't let that go by. You, uh, you announced a major merger. Can you can you give us the headlines there? Happy to. Great, great to great to catch up. Uh, yeah. So as as you know, I'm running Ginger, uh, which is an on-demand mental health company, and we just announced a merger with Headspace, which is a mindfulness company. And uh, together, we're looking to you know create the most comprehensive, accessible end-to-end mental health platform and uh, really focus on democratizing care for those who need it around the world. No, it's an amazing announcement. I think it says a lot about the two companies who are leaders in this space, the digital health, and I don't know um, anything about the industry besides the usual news and the headlines, but I know you've been making a a great climb in Headspace too. Um, it feels like the time is right. I mean, if you look at everything, as we were joking about, a, um, you know, the times we live in today, I think we were already moving toward this. And then the catalyst of, oh, a pandemic, we've got floods, we've got fires, we've got, you know, racial issues, political divisiveness, all these things. And yet we're still expected to perform like, like uh, you know, a functioning society. It's challenging. It's super challenging. And it's important to recognize that, you know, the mental health crisis existed before the pandemic. We already saw significantly increasing suicidality rates. We, we, we saw people presenting with anxiety and depression, both at earlier ages, as well as more often. You know, the World Health Organization estimates there's a billion people, a billion, one B people around the world that have a mental health condition. And then the pandemic hits and it's really a perfect storm of mental health need. There's social isolation and loneliness. There's uncertainty. There's disruption. There's financial distress. There's concerns about getting catching this thing, which is not you know, fun to catch or, or parents catching it or children catching it. All of this at once is a huge test of, uh, you know, the mental health of the world and, and, so we just see that uh, we looked at that and said, look, we need to get to more people faster. We need to get more people building resilience. We need to get them access. And, and by bringing these two platforms together, we think we can do it more globally, more scalably, and, and really help people build routines to build resilience so they can manage their own mental health needs, 
But then if they need more care, we're there for them. Okay, I'm voting for the merger myself. The other point, though, I, I want to connect the dot one more point, which is we have issues with homelessness. We have some of the crazy stuff that goes on with, with the terrible, um, uh, I think, domestic terrorist activities, right? The shootings and all this stuff. There's a correlation here. I don't know if it's, a, if it's how, you, how you define that correlation, but there clearly is. So you're actually working to solve those issues. I, th- I think that I think so. I, I think add to that some of the opioid uh, crises that, that, that we've talked about over the last few years. Add to that climate change and, and the disruption of, of um, uh, the different food cycles around the world. A lot of areas now starting to run out of water. Yeah, it, it, it all is part of, of the, the cycle. And we do think that helping people manage their mental health, helping them feel uh, more stable uh, can, can help a lot of these issues. And I hope so, Russell. So um, what's the biggest challenge for you? I mean, there are probably some very big hurdles, and a ton of small ones. The big ones I would see is getting consumer awareness. And the other one being those, those, organizations, not really organizations, all the organizations adding this to their offering. I don't know if you call it their HR platform or their benefits platform. Yeah, their benefits, their benefits platform. Yeah. So how do they start to add this? Because they already have a ton of pressure. And you know this from your history with larger corporations, your own startups. How do I address the issues of you know, uh, the DNI issues, right? How do I get, you know, pay compensation, equity compensation, all those things meted out. Now I'm being asked to help with mental health. How are you getting your voice heard? So these HR teams are starting to incorporate this more um, and being able to afford these services. Well, to your first point, we, we Ginger did have a, a big question about consumer awareness. How did we, How did we make more people aware of what we did? Headspace really doesn't have that same problem. You know, Headspace is used by millions of people around the world every day. It's a beloved brand. It's a beloved experience. And so by bringing these two things together as Headspace Health, we, we in a lot of ways, solve some of the awareness problem. Consumers love this platform and they want to use it. That then creates a flywheel into your second question or the enterprise where, you know, HR departments are actively thinking about how do we support our employees who have all these mental health needs right now. And in fact, it's really moving from the HR department to the boardroom. It is, it is elevated in importance because company leadership is realizing that mental health is a business continuity issue. You, the 40% of the population right now is presenting with some sort of mental health concern, anxiety, depression, severe stress, uh, if not more, that means that as a company, you have to be thoughtful about this if you want your most important assets, your people, to be productive, to show up to work, to not turn over, to not burn out. And and that's, that's where we're seeing right now a moment of time where enterprises are realizing just the level of criticality of having a platform like this in place to help employees be successful. So fair to say it's on everybody's radar uh, and you're just start, you're slowly building the, that flywheel, that, that pipe right. to get people on, on it. That's right. 
And, and, the, and the pandemic has accelerated the awareness. You know, if if 10% of enterprises pre-pandemic were thinking about this, more than 50% now have this on their radar. Okay. I'm sure you're going to be successful in getting it. What will be the next big milestone, obviously, beyond the uh, merger kinds of discussions or or uh, what, what should I look at uh, what, to give me a sense that this is really grabbing hold? You know, we we still think we're in the very early phases of enterprise adoption of companies actually putting these platforms in place. Yeah. We estimate 10%, 15% or so have something like that. So one big milestone will be when do 50% plus of companies have dedicated mental health resources for their employees? That's a good one to look at. Okay. Another big one to look at is, you know, uh, how does the stigma in mental health shifting? Because it's still the kind of thing where people have trouble admitting they need help. People have trouble saying, you know, I'm not feeling great and I could use support. That, that, that needs to go away. You know, we need to realize that this is part of the human condition. You don't, you don't, you know, when you, when you have a knee injury, when you uh, have a, have a, you know, a, a, a headache, you're not afraid to admit it, you know, uh, it's just part of being human. Yeah. Mental health's not like that yet. People still are, are uh, loath to admit that they don't feel quite right. You, we see things happening. You see cracks in that, right. With things like um, Naomi Osaka coming out and saying, I can't, I can't um, play in this, in this sort of mental state. Uh, Simone Biles, same kind of deal. I, I feel like I'm going to injure myself if I go into this in, the, in this headspace. Yes. So that's a great sign that people are starting to be willing to talk about it, but but we need it to be far more far more widespread than that. You just took my uh, my next question about uh, Saka and Biles, but uh, I guess that is to the point where we're getting greater recognition and it is starting to sweep. Um, with more people and hope, hopefully at that, that level of visibility will encourage more people to speak openly about it. Yeah, it's, it's a great early indicator. Uh, you know, Prince Harry uh, getting on TV and talking to Oprah about it. Yeah. Michael Phelps has been talking about it for a few years now. You're starting to see more. Kevin Love is another one who's talked a lot about his mental health struggles. You're starting to see more of this. And I think uh, it's, it's actually one of the reasons the younger populations today are less stigmatized uh, and more willing to raise their hand and, and ask, ask for help. I think so. I'm putting a lot of faith in the next generation to do a lot of things. <laughs> but I won't go down that, that rattle. Um, Russell, just to do a, a little pivot here, it, we met during your time when you were running Bezo and was acquired by LinkedIn, um, which is a phenomenal story in itself. And it's an interesting story, but I don't want to, a softer transition would be, how did you go from um, Bezo, LinkedIn, Microsoft to Ginger Headspace? And it's kind of a, it's not just a, it's not just a leap. It's a, it's <laughs> it's a pretty wide jump. Was there something that you saw within those organizations or your managing teams, or was it separate when you left? Then you found something that that sort of resonated. What the, the image you you uh, 
planted in my head there is it's like one of those evil Knievel jumps over the over the cliff the chasm right the Grand Canyon yeah we're both old enough to remember that I guess that that that's what it seems is that dating me did I just date myself a little bit but 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 much more in my sweet spot but I think I think it is um, in a way, a big leap. And in a way, I think you can you can parse that to say it wasn't that big of a leap. But just curious to see what was the catalyst to, to get you behind the start of Ginger. When I left LinkedIn, I, I was loving it. I was having a blast. We just did the Microsoft acquisition about six months earlier and was helping land that um, as well. But I, I decided it was time to spend, you know, to be dad. I have three young daughters, basically their entire lives were me doing either Bizzo or LinkedIn and, and so had been busy for years. So I took a step back. I was dad for about 15 months. And, and during that process, I, you know, had time. And so I started thinking about youth voting. Uh, and, and so I joined the board of Rock the Vote and I, I started to get involved in helping to increase youth voting rates, which I felt, you know, one of the things we needed to do in this country to be more of a, of a functional democracy. During that process, I realized, okay, I love being dad. This has been, been a great experience, but I'm not ready to be retired. I'm not ready to you know, uh, not work again. But if I'm gonna leave these kids every day, if I'm gonna you know, spend time working hard, it needs to be for something that's important. It needs to be for something that exists in the world or that needs to exist in the world that, that, you know, needs to be, uh, that, that people need. And, and, and that's started me on this journey of looking at different areas of criticality, you know, and, and it could have been mental health was not in my uh, mind at that point. My mom's a child psychologist, so maybe she planted some seeds, but it wasn't, it wasn't like where I was passionate necessarily but as I looked around, I looked at education, I looked at gov tech, I looked at healthcare, I looked at climate change, and I came across Ginger. And I just fell in love with the size and scale of the problem. This huge supply demand imbalance between the amount of need and then the, the people that could provide care for the need. And I, I recognized that there was just, this was in 2018, that at some point society wasn't gonna be able to ignore it anymore because it was costing so much money to the healthcare system. It was causing so many comorbidities or other issues downstream. It was causing so much loss to companies that I just recognized, hey, I could spend the rest of my life on this very happily. It's such a big and important problem. Yeah. So you came you came to this um, through a process of of meeting meeting the founder or meeting somebody who started it already, or was this something you helped uh, give life to? Well, as you know, uh, no, I joined as as their new CEO, and as you know, most of what I've done is founded companies. I, it, yeah. It, it, this is not an experience I've ever had before. I was thinking about things to to found, and a recruiter who I've known for years reached out and said, Hey, there's, this, I know what you're thinking about. There's this company, Ginger, will you go talk to them? And I was like, sure. I mean, I'm not, I have no interest in taking over someone else's company or solving their problems, uh, but I'm happy to talk to them. Maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I'll advise them or something, whatever. And I met the two co-founders and 
again, I, I, my, my, I instantly felt like, okay, all these ideas I have are sort of silly relative to the importance of this one. And so if I could, if I could feel like a founder in coming in, if I could feel that I could make it my own culture, I could, you know, build the company the way I like to build companies, then I'll give it a try. Uh, and, and it, you know, great, um, have to give kudos to Kosla, who was the primary investor in the deal to the, the, the co-founders, Karin and Amol. And they said, Hey, we think you're, you're the guy to come in and, and make the changes that need to be made to take this to the next level. Yeah. So what's it feel like adopting versus you're having your own? <laughs> it's different. Yeah. Uh, in, in some ways it's liberating, to be honest. I, 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 Bizzo, they were all my problems. You know, everything that that we built there and all the issues, I, I only had myself to blame, you know? Yeah, uh, with this one, you could be a little less emotional about it. Uh, I felt like I could look at the problem. I could, I could you know, have a, an emotionless approach to solving it. And that's pretty liberating, you know? And I could also ask stupid questions, you know, new to healthcare, new to the business, you know, I, I could ask naive questions and stupid questions that others might not be willing to ask because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Yeah. But, but often those questions are important when you're trying to rebuild a culture or you're trying to reset the uh, environment for success. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like um, we learn a lot by starting a company and, you know, I've started a, a handful of, of deals myself. When I join a new company, it's um, it's a challenge because you have to get up to speed. But yeah, you can challenge a lot of the things that are already being done, asking those questions and probing and making recommendations. And I'm sure they appreciate your experience around that um, as well. It, you know, it, it I've enjoyed it even more than I thought I would. You know, I, I thought that it would be a great new experience, but who knew yeah. if I would enjoy taking over and as a new CEO, but I've, I've really, it's been a wonderful experience. So have you been able to sell uh, Microsoft and LinkedIn to uh, Ginger? Uh, actually, no, they, they are not customers yet, although they are uh, Headspace clients. So uh, instead of selling directly, I just merged with a company that has them as a customer. Okay, well that'll work then. But it does it does exemplify a little bit of the challenge and the problem there. Um, looking back, Russell, what brought you into this world of craziness out of tech from um, your uh, previous life as a blue devil and uh, you know living out there? What made you decide to come out to um, you know start up land and get something going? What was your entry point? I don't even recall. You know. I'm one of those, you know, they talk about people who've always been entrepreneurs. Yeah. I'm one of those. I, when I was 13, <laughs> like a freshman in high school, I started my first company and that company was a tennis racket stringing business where my like unique differentiation was giving a cut to all of my buddies at different high schools around the area to bring me the tennis rackets from their tennis teams. Nice. And I'd give them a, a percentage of each racket I'd string. So that was like my first, you know, foray. But, and I ran multiple businesses in, at Duke. I 
always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do out of Duke, I interviewed with a company called Trilogy Software uh, down in Austin, Texas, super entrepreneurial company. Yeah. Uh, Austin was this incredible city. uh, And, and it just felt like this is the right next step for me. I I was looking at Anderson consulting. So the former Accenture and, and Trilogy (laughs) fell in love with Trilogy was like, this city is amazing. Got home and got a rejection letter. And, you know, one of pretty standard form, you know, thank you. You're, you were great, but you know, not a fit and devastated. You know, I, I was just, you know, it felt like such the right fit for me. Yeah. And so I decided, all right, well, nothing to lose at this point. I'm going to send the CEO an email and just say how much I enjoyed it. The, what an incredible experience it was and make him an offer to uh, work for free for a year. So, you know, I'll work for free. And then at the end of that year, you pay me what you think I was worth relative to everybody else you brought on in this new class. And uh, within an hour and a half, I had a job. He, he made me an offer, standard offer, said, you, this is exactly the kind of people we want, you know, kind of person we want on, on the team. Jeez, that's great. I love that story. And that was my start in the tech world. Uh, and, you know, from there, multiple startups and, you know, Zoom Info was a great experience. Great company. Yeah. Great companies. So you, did, you did line it up well. Um, almost better than you line up your putts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Russell, I got to tell you something. As a fellow girl dad, we've got it great. Um, Amen. We got it great. And, uh, you know, my daughter actually spent some time at LinkedIn and had a great experience too. Um, so shout out Carrie. But um, the other thought is they're entering an interesting time in the world um, for, for the world of work and the world of careers and the world of, uh, you know, there's this talk about pay equality and equity equality and, you know, all these other issues. How do you feel things are set up for your three as they, I know they're very young, but when you think about things, um, obviously improvements, but where do you see the biggest needs uh, for, for greater improvement? It's a big question, Kate. I'm sorry. But, but again, you hit me with the, the, I'm thinking about girls and my, I'm always thinking about mine. I know you're thinking about yours. Yeah. And we, we touch on a heavy topic that you're involved in as a business. So I'm sure you give it some thought as you sit there with the three reading stories and, and yeah. through other, man, what's it going to be like when they're off to high school or they're off to college? And I've done that walk already. It's amazing. And you're off for, you're going to have some amazing uh, um, uh, highlights in, in your life, but what are those concerns as well? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, you know, our, our approach is to give them as, as much of a broad set of experiences as we can to give them a broad education, not try to plant any specific direction in their, in their minds and um, let them find their passions, you know, let them find what, what excites them. And, you know, I, I certainly will say that they have a real consciousness about the political environment. They have a real consciousness about climate change. My middle one is a, complete vegetarian at this point she's 
she's 10 years old. It's kind of a pain in the ass for her parents. Right. But, (laughs) you know, she, she has decided that uh, with all the reading she's done, that uh, we all should be eating vegetables. We, We shouldn't be eating animals because of what it's done to the climate and what it continues to do to the climate. So, my eldest is, you know, not quite as strict uh, with her diet. She's she's not quite as much of a martyr as my middle one is, but similar. And, you know, I I think that that's that that consciousness will lead to the next generation of where are we going to spend our time and effort, right? Where are we gonna Where are we gonna work? How are we gonna work? Who are we gonna try to help? And I. You know, I, so I don't worry that they're not going to have careers. I don't worry that they're, you know, not going to be able to find their way. Uh, and I, I, I hope that we're raising a generation here that's going to be very conscious of impact and of the change that if everybody, if everybody commits to, uh, we'll have a better, a better world. We'll have a better planet. We'll have a better society. I think it does. I think it starts at that meta level. You have to have the right focus, consciousness for everything from climate change to economy to, you know, uh, racial issues and uh, just being aware of them, you know, and being more um, open minded and constructive versus starting off with a negative or starting off with uh, why things can't get done, figuring out how they can. Anyways, it's been it's been great chatting with you. I'm coming up on our. 30 minutes here. Um, Is there anything when you think about this crazy, exciting path you've been on that took you uh, all through these, uh, all these great highlights, both personal and professional, um, that you would look back a little bit differently on or change? Um, I know, I know it's kind of a standard setup question for me, but um, it feels, it feels different here only because of the range of different things you've accomplished? You know, I, I've been incredibly fortunate and, and that's one thing that, you know, I don't think anybody, um, I don't, I don't think anybody can put a price on just how much luck and, you know, the universe kind of, uh, following your direction is part of this whole thing. You know, I feel like, I've, I've been able to make some good decisions that have just turned out to be lucky, uh, you know, whether timing wise or, uh, because the, I, I was able to surround myself with great people and, and at the right time, or there is a, there's a big element to to that. And, and so I don't, you know, I I have some thoughts, but I don't want it to sound like it's all, (laughs) I was just all smart. You know, I think what I've learned over time though, you know, how you create luck uh, when it's possible is it it really gets down to the people you surround yourself with. And uh, I've recognized that if you surround yourself with great people, you, they better you, you, you get better as a person. I get better as a person when I'm, when I'm spending time with, with world-class people, ethical people, people that, you know, are, um, are thinking about, the world in in a positive and optimistic way and and are are doing great things and have a high standard for what for morality. Uh, I think when you surround yourself with 
not so great people, uh, you, you get dragged down into that. And so my, you know, the advice I give people as they're asking about their careers or, or, you know, what have I learned that I would, I would, you know, advise them on the first is, uh, you know, find, find situations where you really believe in the leadership. You believe in the CEO, you believe in the leadership. Two is find cultures and environments where you can be yourself, where you can bring your entire person, who you are, your lived experiences, where you can bring that to every, everything you do day to day. And then the final thing I'd say is do things that you're passionate about. You know, don't waste time on things that are perfunctory, that, that just you know, you're doing because it's a job. There's, there's so much good stuff out there to be spending time on. So try to find things that you really care about and, and hopefully that can make a difference in the world. Boy, that's fantastic, Russ. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, it, it resonates with me. I think it'll resonate with the audience. It resonates, I'm sure, with everyone you continue to share it with. So continue to share that um, across your new platforms, across your new businesses, um, and, you know, stay healthy and let's continue to promote all that goodness that you're sharing. Thank you. Great to catch up. And I uh, will look forward to talking again soon. I look forward to it also. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Look Back. We do appreciate your support. Welcome any feedback and would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and even consider sharing it with some of your friends. For more information and other cool info, check us out at newmanmediastudios.com.